Hi everyone, and welcome to Joe Bates Explains It All. Hope you're all okay and had a lovely Christmas and New Year. For Christmas, I was at home with my dad and my sister in Middlesbrough. My dad always buys in a lot of alcohol. I drank so many cans of Stella Artois that I forgot who I was. I sort of suffered some sort of ego death. It was a bit like doing ayahuasca, if ayahuasca also made you feel like you wanted to have a fight. I then travelled back to London, where I had a very low-key New Year. It struck midnight and I watched my housemate and his girlfriend kiss. And I thought, how good of a year it's going to be for them. Then we watched Jules Holland's Hoot and Annie to bring the mood down and adjust our expectations for 2023. So by 1am, I was already sure it was going to be another bad one. But to be honest, we can't blame Jules Holland for how bad every single year is. He's just a boogie-woogie piano-playing pawn in a system beyond his control. That system's created by the man to keep us down. The man wants us to have low expectations for every year. That's why he made the year start in the worst month. If the year started in May, for instance, the bright sun and flowers growing everywhere would set a bad example to us that things can get better and that growth is possible. And that's why the man tells us to do things like dry January and veganuary, where we have to give up the only things that make life bearable. And I'm guilty of this instinct too. In fact, the episode that I'd had planned for this week was going to be called Joe Bates Explains How We're All Born to Suffer. But no, we must resist the urge towards pessimism and cynicism and embrace life in 2023. I know what you're thinking, Joe, that makes sense, but you're not exactly following your own advice. You spent most of the first two weeks of the year asleep. Well, you're right, but there's still plenty of time to get my resolutions on track. And one of those resolutions is to centre myself more and to talk about myself all of the time. Last year I made a good start, I made a good first step by having this radio show where I'm the only one allowed to talk. But in the episodes last year I was only talking about myself about 50% of the time. In this episode, which is called Joe Bates Explains Himself, I'm bringing that up to 100%. It's just a little story of my background and how I got where I am today. It's a bit different to the usual format because it doesn't contain any specific advice, but it still works as a guide because if you copy exactly what I did, you'll be able to live the life that I do. It's pretty good really, I've got a lot of time to watch films. So anyway, I'm going to play a short song, and then after that I'm going to start fully explaining myself. Joe Bates Explains Himself, Part 1 I'm from Middlesbrough in North East England, but I'm currently living in London. In 2010, I travelled down to London to make it. I travelled down on the Megabus. We don't actually call it the Megabus in Middlesbrough where I come from though. Up there we call it the Chariot of Dreams. I remember that day when I travelled down. Some of my family were there to see me off at the bus station. I'm not 100% sure which ones because they were all completely filthy from their work in the mill, the mine, 
factory. I, I was never quite sure where they worked. They had such strong accents, I couldn't really understand what they were saying. The one person I did recognise was my mum because she was wearing a hand-knitted jumper that said, Don't go, Joe. You're needed in to mine slash mill slash factory. And she was crying her eyes out. I said, don't cry, mum, because I'm going to make it in London. And when I come back, I'm not going to be riding on the Megabus. I'm going to be riding on the Megabus Gold. The Megabus Gold was the luxury sleeper version of the Megabus where you paid £5 extra and you got a complimentary biscuit. Of course, this was a pipe dream because the Megabus Gold never went to Middlesbrough. It just went direct to Scotland. But I needed to dream big to pull away from my humble roots. I grew up with my parents and sister in a working class stereotype. Imagine Coronation Street but with much less talking. We lived in a small council house and we didn't have much. Times were so tough that all of us had to share one single Twitter account. It was impossible for us to build up a following because we'd all talk about different things. I'd say something wry and political like Tories are bad. Then my sister would come on and start posting about fit lads. My dad would then log on and start ranting about 9-11 being an inside job. And then my mum would come on and post repeatedly asking what the lottery results were. We were all over the place content wise, so we never managed to get a single follower in that time. Apart from Barack Obama, but he was following everyone back then. I lived in a slightly rough part of town, but the local gangs never bothered me, because I never left the house. As you can tell by the fact that I haven't made it in comedy yet, I didn't go to private school, and it's probably too late now. School-wise, I went to a bog-standard comprehensive, as it's known in dickhead circles. I'm not saying we were poor, but we certainly weren't rich. There was always food on the table, because we couldn't afford plates. That meant lunchtime, or as it's called in the north, gravy hour, was always very messy, especially if we had soup, or as it's called in the north, tinned gravy. At least we had food, I suppose, but as a teenager it became very difficult for me because I became Middlesbrough's first ever vegetarian. My family found my vegetarianism tough to accept. My dad tried to convince me that animals weren't really alive by referring to a science book that he'd clearly written himself because it was all in pen. And for weeks afterwards, my nana followed me around with a pork chop, saying the word please over and over again. It wasn't easy for me. In fact, I went on antidepressants at the same time as I became vegetarian, which gives you some idea of how much I love pork pies. It was especially tough back then because we didn't have vegetarian alternatives so my parents had to improvise. My mum would try to make me ham sandwiches without the ham, but she couldn't work out how to do it. And then she would make me gravy without the granules, so everything I ate was covered in hot water. Luckily, times have changed since then, and now meat alternatives are so convincing that it won't be long before they start shouting in pain when you bite into them. I must admit, I do miss the times when being vegetarian or vegan made you stand out a bit though. And I also don't like people thinking that being vegetarian means that you're soft. 
And that's why I'm going to be partnering with Quan to create a range of edgy new products based on meat you're not allowed to eat. Keep an eye out for Quan cat mints and Quan human escalopes in all good freezers near you soon. We're going to play another song now, and after that I'll be back to explain myself some more. Welcome to part two of Joe Bates Explains Himself. It may surprise you given how learned I am now, but as a young child I hated books. I hated books, I hated words, hated pretty much all of the letters. This was because I heard someone using the term bookworm when I was young, and it sounded like a horrible insult to me. Like calling someone a music slug or film maggot. So instead I got into sports specifically football. To begin with, I wasn't as good as the other boys, so I used to spend hours after everyone else had left, practicing, apologising for bad passes. I played football every day of my childhood, but somehow never got any better at it. Perhaps because on some level, I knew that if I got good at football, it would get in the way of a future prolonged attempt at a comedy career. Although I wasn't great at playing football, I was okay at watching it though, and my dad would drive me all around the country to watch Middlesbrough Football Club play, which was where I actually became a fan of league comedy. I really enjoyed going to the football games to begin with, but then I started to see the dark side of football. On an away trip to Barnsley with my dad and two of his friends, one of his friends farted and blamed it on me. No one believed that it wasn't me, and as far as I know, 25 years later, they still don't. If you're listening, Dan, which admittedly is extremely unlikely, I know what you did, and I know what I didn't. Shortly after that experience, I started going to more away matches on the coach with the official Middlesbrough Supporters Club, hoping to meet a more young, friendly crowd who wouldn't blame me for farts. And this was true for a while, but I still didn't feel completely at home, as some of the teenagers on board the coach would bang on their windows as we went through other teams' towns and ask all the women who the coach passed to effectively remove their shirts and bras, quote, for the lads, unquote. I never joined in, but anyone looking in would assume that I was one of the lads mentioned in the chant, and the others were simply delivering a statement that we'd all discussed and signed off. I should point out that the majority of people were respectful, even most of the lads. In fact, one of the lads showed a sensitive side when we passed a couple walking in Manchester one night, and he shouted, Look at them two lovebirds! I think he meant it to be an insult, but it came out as just a really nice thing to say. But still, I wasn't completely at home in the football crowd, so I tried new experiences. 
At this point in time, I was a teenager and those experiences were not entirely legal. When I was about 13 and 14, I used to hang around outside the off-license and ask adults when they were going in if they could buy me some paracetamol. I suffered from really bad migraines at the time. Once the pills kicked in, I started to listen to wild new experimental music like Cooler Shaker, the inventors of Indian music, and then Radiohead, who are the most important influence on me, and not just because of their songs. Their music and lyrics spoke to me, of course. As an isolated teenager, I heard Tom York sing Ice Age coming, Ice Age coming, and thought, no matter how bad things are now, it sounds like they're going to get a lot worse in my adulthood. This turned out to be true, although in some ways I wish I hadn't been aware of it then, as I might have had a bit more fun. But the biggest influence on me was the Radiohead documentary, Meeting People Is Easy, where the band are followed on a big tour. In that film, Tom York goes from gig to gig, travelling the world, having an absolutely terrible time. And I've managed to follow in my hero's footsteps by doing the exact same thing, only with open mic comedy instead of music, and on a much smaller scale. Back then though, I didn't know I was going to get into comedy, I just knew that I wanted to make it like Tom York and that meant travelling to London. My friends and family warned me against it, saying the London people are unfriendly and they won't give you the time of day. This was important back then because not everyone had a phone, so you needed other people's help to know the time. But I didn't care because I assumed that Big Ben was much taller than it was and you could see it from anywhere in the city. I was disappointed when I found out that wasn't the case at all and you could only really see it from one street. But my mind was made up. It was time to board the Chariot of Dreams. And that's the end of Joe Bates Explains Himself. Thank you for listening. As I heard myself read that aloud, it sounded that basically what happened was I listened to Radiohead and decided to give comedy a go. That's only partly true, so maybe I'll tell more of my story another time. Next week, though, I'm going to be back with Joe Bates Explains The Weather. So tune in for that at 10pm on Sunday on Resonance FM. It'll also be on Spotify afterwards, and that's where all past episodes of Joe Bates Explains It All are too. Thanks everyone for listening. I'll see you next week.